Take your Bibles today. Turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. It's exciting being, it's exciting being a new church. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, these first months. You know, when uh, you're a new church, you just you never really know what's going to happen from week to week. You know, the uh, you know, before my church I was at, you know, I kind of had a routine all the time and I always knew what I was supposed to do. You could always kind of tell people. Uh, I could plan things up to you know a year ahead of time because I kind of had routine and stuff. But you know when it's something like this, it's uh, it's everything's kind of new. You don't know what's going to happen week from week, and really it kind of puts you in a position where you got to uh, practice a little more faith every now and then. I've caught myself in the last several months practicing a lot of things I was preaching for a long time. But you know what? Thank God uh, he keeps coming through in his part and doing the things that uh, I was saying he would do based on his word. Now I can see it based on experience. But you know, uh, with any church, whether new or old, really what is, what's our, what's kind of the main focus? What is it that we're supposed to do? What is it all about? There are many great things about church, of course. I I love the, I love the fellowship. I love getting to know other other Christian people. I love it. I enjoy that. I, I get a lot from the encouragement. Uh, you make a lot of good friendships. I enjoy that. I enjoy coming together. I enjoy uh, the song services and just I, I like everything that goes with it. Yeah, I, I really do. I like having the activities. I like doing all the fun things. I like the meals that we have around here. I enjoy all those things. But really, what is the main thing that uh, what is it all about? I think a lot of those things I mentioned, of course, those are kind of the bonuses, and they definitely are a part of it. Um, part, it's, it says in uh, the passage where it talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. We're supposed to be exhorting one another. We are supposed to be encouraging each other, and there's a lot of ways that we can do that. But really, what it's all about, we see in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start reading verses 18 through 20. Jesus, of course. He's died, he dies on the cross. Three days later, He rises from the dead. And for 40 days, He's still on this earth. And he's, the Bible doesn't record a whole lot of what happened during that time. I can only imagine it must have been an exciting time for the disciples. But it comes to the end. And Jesus he, they, takes Him and there's about 120 others with Him. And they go up into the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives, it's, it's a beautiful spot there in Israel. If, you, if, uh, if you're standing there, you can look and you can see the old city. He would have been able to see the temple from where he was standing. If you look over just to the right of that a ways, you can, he, he could have seen the spot where he died on the cross. You can see all kinds of things from that place. I had the privilege of, of standing there uh, years ago. And what an exciting thing that was. But he's standing there and the Bible says that he ascends into heaven. He just he starts flying up into the sky, and it says in verse eighteen, he came and spake unto them, saying, "All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, I thank You so much for uh, this commission that You've given us. Lord, it's something that I know it's not always easy, but Lord, we thank You that You give us the power to do that, Lord, and that we know that You're always with us even unto the very end. We thank You for that. And I pray that this message will encourage people's hearts today. In Your name we pray. Amen. We call this the Great Commission that Jesus gave. He gave uh, he gave not just His disciples, but that group of 120. He gave them a commission. He gave them a challenge. Something that I believe we're supposed to still be doing to this very day. He commissioned them. Notice, he said to go. He said, go ye therefore. He said, go ye, there, go ye therefore and teach all nations. We have a job to do. One, and one of those things that we're supposed to do as Christians today is we're supposed to preach the Word. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. He wanted us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. In one of the other accounts, he said, to, and he also said to teach the gospel. He wants us to be doing whatever we can to spread the gospel to all the world. World, he said, do it. He said, be instant in season and out of season. You know, there were, there have been seasons where preaching the gospel was kind of the thing to do. It was kind of the thing that everybody did. There was a time in our culture not that long ago when pretty much everybody went to church on Sunday. And if they didn't go to church, boy, they at least recognized it as the Lord's Day. Most of the businesses and things wouldn't be open. They recognized Sunday as the Lord's Day. I was in Arkansas one time in a small town. And in that area, it's still kind of like that down there. Everything is closed on Sunday. All the restaurants... I mean, I think there's maybe one gas station that's open on Sunday. Everything's closed. And everybody's in church. I thought, man, why isn't it like that? Why isn't it like that around here? Well, you know why? It's kind of out of season right now. But does that mean we back off? Does that mean that we quit doing these things? Absolutely not. Bible said, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. We're supposed to preach the word, and that's not something that you just do from behind a pulpit. You can say, well, I'm, I'm not. God hasn't called me to be a pastor. God hasn't called me to be a preacher. But you know what? There's other ways we can do it. One way that we can preach the Word, I believe, is with our life. I believe we can set an example. I think that's very important. I think if you claim to be a Christian, that you ought to act like a Christian. You ought to look like a Christian. Talk like a Christian. All those things. That can preach very loudly. In fact, a lot of times that will preach a lot louder than your words will. And that's something very important. But also just telling people. You know, we ought to be able to give people an answer. Uh, if they wonder, hey, what's different about you? What uh, what is this all about? We ought to be able to tell them. If somebody wants to go to heaven, we ought to have the ability to tell them. We ought to be able to, and not just be able to say it. There's some people that are really good at saying it and uh, preaching it. You know, to preach, it just means maybe to, to herald or as a public crier. 
especially of divine truth. It'd be like you know, back in the old days, they'd have them town criers, and maybe they need to warn somebody or let the town know about something. They would just go through the town, just crying out, and they would just be saying it, repeating it. And we do a lot of that. Uh, that's uh, part of preaching. But also, some people though, they're going to kind of want to know why. We ought to have the ability to take the Scripture and show them and to be able to teach them and help them to understand it. It doesn't mean they're going to accept it, but we ought to have the ability to teach it. We need to make sure that we live it in the right way. 1 Timothy 4.12 He said, "...let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and what you say." in conversation, in just your testimony or your reputation, in charity and the things that you do for others, in spirit and your it means in your attitude, in faith and your actions, and in purity, you're doing it right and you're doing it according to the word. He said live it. So we need to we need to preach it. We need to teach it. We need to live it. All these things that he said he said go. Alright, he said I want you and then he didn't just say go in your own town. He said go to all the world, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. He said, I want you to go, I want you to go into Jerusalem. That's where they were at. Preach the word there for sure. But he said, also, I want you to go into Judea. It's not real far from here. You need to go there. And I want you to even go to Samaria. They didn't like the Samaritans. These were people that were different than them. They were a different culture than them. They had different gods than them. So I want you to go to Samaria too. The people that you don't like. And not just there, I want you to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Listen, they're not just, they're, lost people aren't just going to come flocking to us. We've got to go to them with the Gospel. We've got to go to all the world. And one of the things that we're supposed to do as a church, is we need to send out evangelists. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5 says, But uh, watch thou and endure in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist. We're supposed to uh, we call them today missionaries. The term missionary, you don't see that in the Bible, but you do see the term evangelist and pastor, and we need to send people to other parts of the world. To obviously not all of you can do that. We people in China need to hear the gospel. Now you all just can't get in your car and drive over there and go passing out tracts and witnessing. But thank God there are some people that He calls to go over there and do that ministry. And as a church, when we help those ministries, when we give them the financial support so they're able to do that, in a sense, we are we are doing it. We are a part of that ministry. You know that's why I tell you a lot of people they'll act like. You know, a pastor or a missionary or some ministry is like some superior position to everybody else. I don't believe that. If it wasn't for people that come to the house of God and that faithfully give, then we wouldn't be able to do those things. Somebody's got to be out working and making the money. And when you're out there and you're doing the job, let's say that you make, you know, you make $10 an hour and you give $10 to a foreign mission field. It's as though you spend an hour Working towards missions, helping another country. I believe God honors that, and that's absolutely necessary if that's going to work and if they're going to be able to do those things. We need to send them out. I tell you, it's sad how many places there are. Some of these missionaries you'll see come through here, and they'll talk about these countries they're going to with millions of people, and 
almost nobody's there preaching the Word of God. It's sad, but unfortunately that is the case. And really, it's getting to the point where there's many places like that even in America. Even in, there's towns that don't have any gospel preaching churches. In some of our cities that we have, in some of our large cities, there will only be maybe just a few churches that are preaching the gospel while there will be multiple mosques or Mormon temples and all these false religions will be all over the place. And that's sad. It shouldn't be that way. But we got to send them out. We need to go to our own hometown, our surrounding communities, and even all over the world. You know, here in here in this town, of course, we do all we can to try to get people to come to church and to hear the gospel. Hopefully, you know, you try to invite your friends and tell people about church. But you know what? Not everybody's going to come. Sometimes we've got to go to them. We've uh, that's why we have things like nursing home ministries. Those those people they can't make it out here. They can't come. A lot of them would love to come, but they don't have the ability. So we go to them. We preach the gospel. Even things like jail ministries. I think, oh, forget about those people. Let them rot in jail. Well, you know what? If we have that attitude, they're going to get out of jail eventually and probably go right back to crime. Maybe if we could reach them while they're there in the jail. I've been involved in some jail ministries before. and Boy, that's a great opportunity because many people, that's they're at a low point in their life. They've hit rock bottom. And they're ready to listen. And I believe many of those people get saved and they uh, they live decent lives afterwards. Hospital ministries. Going and visiting people that are sick. Maybe people that are on their deathbed. Visiting shut-ins, people that just can't get out, and they can't, you know, they they don't have maybe transportation, they don't have the ability. Door-to-door ministries, bus routes. There's all kinds of things that we can do, but we've got to do them on purpose. And they they take work, but it's part of our job. It's part of what we do as a Christians. There's things, and then there's things like foreign missions, taking mission trips. If you ever get an opportunity to go on a mission trip. Boy, I think I think that's I've never had the privilege of doing that. I hope I get to one of these days. But one thing I know about missions trips that everybody that I've ever talked to that's went on one, when they come back, boy, they're fired up, and it gives them a heart for the mission field. And you will almost always see people when they come back from the mission field that you see them praying for missionaries a lot more. You'll see them giving towards missions, and you know what? You'll even see them do sometimes getting involved in missions right in their own hometown. And it's it's important stuff. Um, even things like track ministries, you know, handing out gospel tracks. There's there's uh, groups out there, and there's ministries out there that their entire ministry is really they they print tracks and they send them to missionaries all over the world in all kinds of different languages. There's there's groups out there that are trying to translate the Bible into other languages, where there's people that they don't have a Bible in their language. Can you imagine not having the Word of God? We'd be in trouble. But you know what? There's nations out there. There's people that they don't have a Bible that they can go to and read. We can give them our King James Bible all we want, but they're not going to understand it. That's not their language. And you know what? Thank God there's ministries doing that. If it wasn't for this Bible that we have here today, America would probably wouldn't even exist. Or if it did, it wouldn't be like it is now. This King James Bible, I believe it's what brought us out of the Dark Ages. After man started, it finally started getting into the hands of of common man, people began to read it, and they began to see, and they began to see many of the errors that the Catholic Church had been teaching them, and they were able to come out of that. And people decided that they wanted that religious freedom, and they came over to America so they could live a life where they could follow the Word of God. 
And thank God for that. The Bible, I mean, it, it could it, it can change an entire nation. It can change a culture. We need to do things to help get those uh, Bibles in the hands of other people. We're supposed to start churches. You know, that's what we did here just just a few months ago. It's been a little over four months now. We started a church. One of the reasons we want to start a church is one another place where people can go and they could hear the gospel. Another place where missionaries could come and get support so they could go into foreign mission fields and get the gospel out. I tell you, it's sad to see how many churches are closing their doors today. That we need to be starting more, I believe. I remember when, uh, right when we got right before we got started, I went to the newspaper office. And the lady was asking if I wanted our church in the church directory in their newspaper. And I said, yes, that'd be fine. And she said, she said, well, good, I already put you guys in there. And she said it was nice to actually add a church because she said, it seems like I keep taking them out. And I thought, what? That's, that's sad. If anything, we need them more today than we've ever needed them. But we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to start churches. We're supposed to baptize people. Notice he said, Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now we know from the Bible that the baptism doesn't save anybody. That salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But He does tell us to baptize people. And what we believe it is when somebody's getting baptized is that's just simply it's a step of obedience. It identifies you with Christ. It identifies you with His church. And what I believe Jesus is saying here is I want you to go out there and I want you to preach the Gospel to them and I want you to make them a part of your church. I want you to make them a part of the church. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And I... Uh, very important. It's good to have. It's important to have a church that you're a part of. A church that you can say, "This is my church. This is where I go, and this is where I serve God. This is where I, I go and I, I listen to the Word of God, and where I go to get encouragement from God's people, and where I go to be an encouragement to God's people. It's a place that I can go and help uh, to spread the gospel, not only to my to my area, but to the rest of the world. I believe that God today He He works through His church. And I think we need to be a part of that. But also he said, so he said, uh, preach the gospel. He said, baptizing them. And then he also says in verse 20, he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. We're supposed to disciple people. We need, we need different discipleship ministries. We need to train people. It's like, well, I don't, as long as they're saved, isn't that enough? If we can just tell them how to get saved, isn't that good enough right there? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, it's good when people get saved. Somebody gives their heart to Christ, they're on their way to heaven. Thank God for that. However, we want it to continue on. I don't know about you all, but I I got saved when I was I was just a five year old boy when the Lord when the Lord saved me. But I'm glad it didn't end there. I want God to save my kids. I want my kids' children. To get saved. I want it. I want it to spread. I want it to continue on in the next generations. You know, one of the things that questions that come up sometimes when you talk about mission fields and things, that people start asking questions about some of the different nations and some of the different groups out there where, or pretty, there's pretty much no Christianity at all. I think, well, what about those people? And it's like, sadly, in many of those nations at one time, there were revivals. At one time, there were many Christians. But unfortunately, at some point, 
they didn't spread it to the next generation. And it became almost non-existent. I think about over in England. England at one time, a very Christian nation, a very godly nation. Many of the great preachers that helped evangelize America, they came from England. But now, England and most of the European countries, I mean, churches are fewer and fewer. Even false religions are almost non-existent. It's becoming very atheist and becoming just very humanistic. And it's you know what? We're seeing some of that coming to America. We don't want to do that, but one of the reasons that happens is we don't teach the next generations. We don't teach them to observe all things. We don't make them a part of our lifestyle. We don't make them a part of our culture. And if we don't do that, it's not going to spread. But we've got to, So we've got to teach people. We need to have different discipleship ministries. I hope someday to have a Spanish ministry in this church. I do. There's a lot of Spanish-speaking people in this area that need a good church to go to. I've been in. Uh, there's other uh, over out in Washington State. A lot of the churches out there they have Korean ministries. There's a lot of Korean people out there. Thank God for that. Those people need to hear the gospel too. And a lot of the people they don't they don't speak English. I remember I was I went to Washington State one time when I was a kid. I was with my family. I remember we were there and we were uh, going to ride this train through the city and I remember we got there I remember I had to go to the bathroom really bad and I went and they had the bathroom closed for cleaning and I thought oh, I can't wait and nobody was there so I, remember I went in there anyway and the floor was wet and I kind of tracked through there a little bit and I remember this Korean guy came and he started yelling at me in Korean and I had I, while I couldn't understand the words I understood what he was telling me. He was like, "Why did you come in here? Didn't you see the sign?" And then, and then he like grabs them up and like he like gives it to me. He wanted me to clean it up, and he tells me all this in Korean, but I understood him because you know, there's there's a universal language that's that's out there. And I remember the train was getting ready to leave, and he gave me the mop and he walked away. And I remember I looked at, I remember I looked and I put the mop back and I went and I got in the train. And then I just kind of sat there low where he couldn't see me. And then all of a sudden, we were, just as we were getting ready to drive away, I saw him come back and he's looking for me. So I didn't clean it up. And I thought, man, that that wasn't good. But anyway, you know, that's, there's people out there that you know we can't necessarily communicate with them, but there's other people that can. If we can have ministries to help. What a great thing that is. I hope someday we could have a deaf ministry here. I've been to a lot of churches and they'll have a section and they'll have somebody there doing sign language. I can't do that stuff. But some people can do it. There's many other things. You know, The Sunday school classes. Some people, while maybe they're not real good with adults, they're great with kids. There's bus ministries. The bus ministry, the great thing about that, those are fun. All you have to really be able to do to be good on a bus ministry is just to be crazy and just to be a nut with the kids. I mean, just the goofier you are, probably the better that you, the better you'll do on it. It's a, it's a lot of fun, but those kind of things they help. We need Sunday school classes for for different age groups, for uh, even special needs people. There's people that have different handicaps and things, and we need to minister to those people too. Uh, the senior citizens, new converts. Youth groups. I mean, things like that, they are so important and they can make such a difference in people's lives. I could stand here, I could tell you so many stories. I've got a heart for the bus ministry. I was involved in that for years. And you'd see kids that come from homes that parents didn't pay a lot of attention to them. And, you know, they'd come to church, and some of these kids, you know, me, I was. For the most part, I was kind of the guy. I was more the enforcer. 
on the bus route. A lot of times, we had another guy, Brother Joe. He was he was the goofy guy. He, he was fun, but sometimes somebody needed to be a little bit mean every now and then, and usually that was me. While I don't enjoy it, I'm real good at being mean if I need to. And I remember, but some of these kids, I almost thought I was mean to them, but they like thought I was the greatest thing in the world. And I'd be like, what in the world? But really, all it was is because I paid attention to them. That was all it took. I paid attention to them. And you'd be amazed at what little things, I mean, how they can make a big difference in the kids' lives. I talked to one of the young girls that came on the bus route for years. I saw her the other day. I was back there at my home church, and she told me that she's a bus worker now. Man, that thrilled me to death. And it thrilled me to death that she's doing that, and to see, I mean, the difference that God made in her life. And we've got we've got families back there that uh, whose parent, the kids used to come while the parents stayed at home. Now the parents are in church and the parents are serving God. Some of them they've come and they've visited here and they've helped with different things around this church. I mean, it is just amazing the impact that a church can have or that God's people can have on other people's lives. And I mentioned several things, but you know what? There's there's a bunch of other things. You might have ideas and you might have things, special talents and gifts that God's given you. I'm telling you, God can use just about anything. I mean, any talent you have, I guarantee you there's some way that you can use it for the cause of Christ. There's some way you could use it to bring glory to God and help make a difference in people's lives. I tell you, it's so important. We're supposed to, we use, we do this to exhort each other. Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How can I be an encouragement to other people? I tell you one thing that I know is an encouragement to me and one way you encourage your pastor is by being here. I'm encouraged by that. By, you know, just Praying for somebody when they know you're praying for them, just being friendly. You know, I hope I hope we're never like this. I don't think, I don't think we're like this, and I hope we're not. But you know, I've been to churches before where you show up and they just look at you like, "What are you doing here? We didn't. <laughs> Who invited you? You're you're not a part of our social club that we have here. I hope we don't ever do that." Yeah, you've all probably experienced that. Hopefully, nobody experienced. We got all these visitors here today. I hope you don't feel that way. If you do, I'm sorry. We'll work on it. <laughs> but we're still new at this. But let me tell you, that shouldn't happen. I remember one time I went to a church, and it was a Wednesday night. Me and my dad, we were uh, we were traveling somewhere. We wanted to stop off at a church. I've always loved visiting other churches, and we went into this church and walked into the foyer. We could see into the auditorium, and nobody was there. We're like. Are they not having services today? It said on the sign, 7 o'clock, Wednesday evening service. We go in there and nobody's in there. And we're kind of looking around and somebody comes walking in the foyer and they just kind of looked at us funny like, can we help you? We're like, yeah, are you guys having services here tonight? They're like, well, yeah, we have uh, we have some classes and where we watch videos and things like that. Uh, but it's it's kind of private. We're like, Okay. You know, didn't invite us to. I was like, guess we're supposed to leave. <laughs> and so and we left. That's having that's happened a couple different times. I thought, good night. You know, what in the world? I mean, me. You know, I'm thrilled to death when people come. You know, I, I, I like I like visitors. I like I like crowds and things like that. But you know what? I mean, 
I thought no one, and they don't have, they didn't have very many people that even went to it, and I wonder why. Because new person comes along and they experience that, they're not going to come back. But we're supposed to encourage each other. You know what? When you see somebody and they're and they're down, okay, usually that's the greatest opportunity to kick them, right? That's what most people do. Let me tell you, people get plenty of that at work. They get plenty of that. They get plenty of that in the job. That shouldn't happen. And the church is a place where we encourage people. Because you know what? While you might not be the one discouraged today, you may be the one that's discouraged next week. You might be the one that's going through the hard time. And you want to, you're going to want people there to lift you up and to help and to help you during those times. And we can do that as a, we can do that as a church. We can be a help to people. There's going to be people that are going to come through, and they're going to have different needs and things. They're going to be hurt and they're going to be struggling. And we could all sit there and judge them all day and talk about why they're going through that and how they deserve it and all those things. But you know what? Sometimes we ought to just help them anyway. Sometimes you ought to just be uh, be an encouragement anyway. It, it's so important. It is. It's hard. I mean, you think about just uh, you know young people today in the public schools, all the negative peer pressure that they get. You think about just all the, all the stuff that they have to uh, put up with and deal with. Let me tell you, they ought. The house of God ought to be a place of rest from that and a place of refuge where we can come and be encouraged in the Lord. We need that more than ever. You know, some of you may be thinking with all these different ministries that I could never do these things. I could never talk to people about the Lord. I could never teach a Sunday school class or even stand behind a pulpit. But you know what? There is a man in the Bible, his name was his name was Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he was a prophet of God. He's known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, he did a lot of crying. Israel was very wicked during that time, and he would go prophesy to them, and they wouldn't listen. And Jeremiah, he had a big heart. He wanted these people to repent. He wanted them to do right, and they just they wouldn't listen. And he came to a point in his life where he said, "You know what? I want to quit. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to I'm not going to speak to these people anymore." But you know what? In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, he says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. There was something inside Jeremiah that said, You know what? I can't hold this in. I've got to say something. And right now you might be thinking, I can never do anything these things. But let me tell you, you start giving your life to God, you start following the Word of God and studying the Word of God, and I'm here to tell you, we're not going to be able to keep your mouth shut. That's just the way it works. I've been with people out visiting, and they're like, I'll go visiting with you, but I'm not talking to anybody. I couldn't talk to anybody. I'd get scared to death. I'd pass out. I couldn't do that. And you know, and then you go, and they'll go, and they'll do it for a little while, and before long, they keep interrupting you. They're doing all the talking, and you're just you're the one sitting there listening. I say, you know why? Because that that word of God, it can be a fire in your bones, and you're just you're you're not going to be able to hold yourself back. You're going to be if you read your if you're reading your Bible, studying your Bible, and then maybe you've been studying something, and then I get up and I'm preaching about it or talking about it. You're like, I know all about that. You'll be like that kid in the classroom that when the teacher gets on a subject that they actually know about, that they actually studied, that they actually paid attention to, they're jumping out of their seat, raising their hand. You know why? There's a fire in their bones. They're wanting to let everybody know they know about this. And the Word of God can do that very same thing to you. And the Word of God has taken many people, men like Moses, probably the greatest leader that there ever was. Moses, he had a speech impediment. He wasn't good at talking. He was slow of speech. 
When God called him to be the one to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said, Lord, I I can't speak. Uh, I'm slow of speech. I can't do this. And he said, Lord, my brother Aaron. said, my brother Aaron, he's, he's good at speaking. He's got a good voice. And God said He'd let Aaron be the spokesman. And Aaron was a spokesman for a while. But if you read on in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers and things, you'll see that Moses ended up taking over and doing quite a bit of talking. You know what? Because that, that's what God does. If you submit yourself to Him and you're obedient to Him, you have no idea how God can change your life. I'm not telling you right now you need to do some of these things. But you know what? Just start doing the little things that you know you're supposed to do and just submit yourself to God and say, Lord, I'll do whatever it is You want me to. Lord, I, I, I could never afford to... Uh, Lord, I could never go to the mission field or I couldn't even afford to give to missions. Well, you know what? There's some verses in the Bible that talk about being faithful in little things. Maybe just give a dollar. Maybe maybe two dollars. And then maybe God will be able to start to expand that. And you'll be able to do more. I mean, we can all do something. You say, I could, ne- I could never go door to door. But you know what? Maybe you could pass out a track. Maybe you give a gospel track to somebody. Maybe uh, when, you, when you're at a restaurant and you go and the waitress is done waiting on you and you leave her a tip, maybe leave a track in there. If it's a Liberty Baptist Church track, make sure it's a decent tip so you don't make her mad at the church and think they're all a bunch of cheapskates. <laughs> but do things like that. That's what I do. If I leave a good tip, I'll put it in the track and they're going to take the track. It's got money in it. <laughs> and you know what? They just might they just might read it. And make sure too that you weren't mean to her and you know yelling at her for not doing things right. You know you can do things like that. You can do little things. And when you're faithful in little things, God will bless you and He'll give, he'll give you the desire to do things the right thing. I, I don't want to do that. I could never do that. I, but I'm telling you, God can do great things with your life. And you know what? You might have, even, even today in the message, you might have even thought of a few things. You know what? I think this would be a good thing. You know what? I could probably do this. You know what? God has given everybody in here different abilities, different talents. Thank God we're not all the exact same. Can you imagine a church full of Tommy McMurtrys? It would uh, that wouldn't work out real good. I don't think I, I I can picture some things going real bad with that. But you know, he's given everybody different abilities. The Bible says we're all we're all part of the body, and our our body has different members. They all have different uses, and you know, and every single one of them are important. And I and I I challenge you, and I encourage you to find out what those things are. There's many ways to be a blessing. Just Friday. I told my wife, I said, man, we, said, we need to get somebody in our church that's got a snow plow. I got I didn't want to be paying the guy to plow the driveway all the time. You know what Brother Gomer called me and said that he had one. Asked if I wanted to do it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I didn't even know he had one. He came out and he did that. You think that's not but yeah, it is a big deal. That's money that we could put to other things. I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather give that money to a missionary than you know. But there there's all kinds of things like that. And many people today, unfortunately, when they when it comes to church, when it comes to the house of God, a lot of times it's real easy to come in with an attitude of what does this place have to offer me? Many people when they you know they don't want to get involved in the starting of a new church because it's a lot of work. And we don't have all the things that maybe the big churches have to offer yet. But you know what? If you come in with that attitude of you know, I'm not here to get something, I'm here to give something. And let me tell you, the people who give the most, and I'm not just talking about money, but in time and effort, 
those people always get the most. Yes, sir. You made a comment just then. I gotta correct you. You said we don't have the things that a lot of the big churches do. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. We have the love of God in our heart. Amen. 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 We have everything we need. That's right, and that is the most important thing. And you know what? I'm not against having some of the fun things, but boy, we don't ever want to get rid of that. We don't ever want to lose that. Because otherwise, those other things, they're nothing but a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. They're not what's going to make the difference in people's lives. But I hope, I challenge all of you this year, I want this church to, I want this church to make a difference. I do. I don't want just us to come and have our little group and have fun. There's plenty of places that do that. I want us to make a difference in this community. I hope you'll think about ways that you can get involved. You might think you might have some ideas. You might even think they're a bad idea. You know what? Go ahead and run it by me. Be surprised. You'd be surprised. There's all kinds of ways. If you have a different talent and different thing you think you could put to use, Ms. Hazel, she makes she makes nice gloves and mittens. She had some ideas with that for next Christmas. That's a great idea. I would have never thought of that in a thousand years, and I never could have done it in two thousand years. <laughs> I can't do that kind of stuff. But she can. It can be a blessing. And I believe, I believe there's many other things like that. And I, ho- I hope that you will get involved. So let's stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.